Hi everyone, Air here. Today we're going to talk about spirituality and growth mindset through martial arts and self-defense. With me, I have two experts, Bo and Aaron. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having us. <laughs> so, Aaron, go ahead and give us a little bit of a background about you as far as your experience. Well, I have a third-degree black belt in Waterloo Karate. Um, been training since I was four years old. Um, so about 20 years worth there uh, before I kind of stepped away for a little bit. Uh, also have uh, quite a bit of wrestling background as well as jiu-jitsu. Um, so I think I'm pretty well qualified to talk at least a little bit on self-defense. Just a hopefully. little. Uh, I also have a master's in sports science kinesiology. So talk a little bit more about the physical aspect and the conditioning necessary to get better at those things. Nice. Info. I am a fourth degree black belt in Wado Karate as well. Uh, I've been training since I was four years old. Started out boxing, um, then picked up several other arts along the way. Some Chinese Kempo, Iaido, a little bit of Wing Chun, and a few other fancy different words that some people will know and some people won't. I uh, was in private security for a while. Worked as a bouncer for many years in the nightclub industry. Was in law enforcement. And now I do none of those things. And... Here I am. I mean, you guys both trained me today. This is true. So yep. They definitely still have the experience aspect. Um, my feet are bleeding. <laughs> With that, most people, when they think of karate or they think of jiu-jitsu, they think of the word sensei. Right. Are either of you all senseis? Technically, we both are. Yes. And we both are. are you a level up or is that like the highest? So it it sort of varies. There, there technically are levels um, you know, you could be a Shihan, uh, you can be, you can be a grandmaster there. You can hold different titles, but at the end of the day, anyone who is your senior instructor, who is your teacher is pretty much just going to be your sensei. Okay. And then you're above a sensei as well, right? Aaron? Same. Yeah. Same thing. Same. Okay. So how does that tie in? Both of you all live in Tennessee. That's where we're recording this episode actually today. So would you guys consider yourself spiritual in any aspect? Let's start with Aaron. I wouldn't say I'm a-spiritual. Uh, I think there's definitely a, a big part of body and mind awareness uh, that I think is important to have. Um, and say when I was younger and training, training more heavily, I was much more uh, into spirituality components of martial arts. Um, <clears throat> I stepped away a little bit, maybe not quite as much these days, but I do think there's, there's something to... to Mind, body, awareness, and it surrounds martial arts and self-defense. So I would kind of say the same. Uh, you know, at, at a certain point, you're you're wanting to basically unite what I would call your mind, body, and your spirit into one unit when you are engaging in, you know, offense or defense. Uh, I feel like there is some components to that that you might say are spiritual in nature. I mean, personally. You know, I'm I'm a man of faith, but on the on the side of martial arts specifically, it's that spirit and that mindset to just keep pushing and to overcome, and you know, to to refuse to accept defeat and to quit. I think that is a strong component of what it takes to actually excel in the martial arts world, and and in really pretty much any part of your life. It's just the what we used to call it as part of our student creed was the indomitable spirit. A lot of people don't realize that when you break down the words of spirituality, like the pieces, spirit means hope, which 
you're a man of faith, so you have the Christian mentality. Mm-hmm. With that, the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. is the living hope, like that whole Trinity factor. Mm-hmm. So how similar would you say that the martial arts field when it comes to like qigong or yoga that type of connection with energy translates into martial arts you're going to get a lot of different answers to that question uh depending on the type of martial artist you talk to we're primarily japanese martial artists with a little bit of chinese influence and then some brazilian obviously with jiu-jitsu um you know you're more of your wushu, your kung fu based, a lot more of your Chinese arts, more into the 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 chi side of things. And in Tai Chi and Qigong, it's you're not going to encounter that so much on on our side. Um, we, you know, I, I speaking for myself, <clears throat> I do think there's some validity in learning to move the energy inside of you and to focus that. And I don't know if you would call that necessarily spiritual or if you want to call it chi or ki. I kind of lean more toward ki. Um, just, again, more of the Japanese influence uh, than, than anything else. But there's definitely a component to that that I feel like makes a difference in how you actually engage in combat. I would I definitely agree with that. Uh, Japanese is considered more of a hard martial art than some of the uh, some of the Chinese uh, influence uh, martial arts. Uh, it's a lot less flow, some more direct. Um, but I do think there there is a, a, a key component or a chi component as well. Um, being able to reflect back and, and, and think and kind of center yourself, uh, I think, is important for all martial arts, um, especially in training uh, or. In, or really in any any fight, right? Getting back in your own headspace, I think that's that's important. And kind of grounding yourself, taking your breath, um, and getting back in control of, of, of yourself. Aaron, don't you think like you know, part of it's like it's learning the timing, it's learning how to control your body and everything at one point. But but when you deliver that strike or you take that hit, it's it's understanding how to use your energy in that moment to deliver more power or to you know, kind of sustain more impact. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like that has helped me a lot. Yeah, and I think I think adding to that a little bit, coming back to kind of your breath work a little bit um, and how that affects things. Um, I know we focus on that a lot as far as breathing while we're while we're doing our movements. And there's a lot to be said for for moving the breath um, in, in a way that <clears throat> both helps reduce injury and make things more powerful as well. I feel like we trained today. Primarily, you guys trained me, right? (laughs) I don't feel like I trained either of you all. I I knocked you down once. But through that, I feel like the mind-body-soul connection all comes together here. Like, physically, we're here, right? We showed up. That's great. Step one, show up to the mat. The spirituality, I feel like, that really got brought is the hope of, like, okay, if I do this, I'm going to be a better version of myself. Sure. I'm going to tr- learn to trust myself. A lot of spirituality is self-trust, self-love, self-experience. So for me, um, martial arts, I mean, pretty much saved my life. Um, I could go down that, but that's a, that's a long story that we, we don't need to talk about right now. Uh, but what I can say is that the confidence, the discipline, the respect, 
the things that I developed along the path really helped make me the person that I am, the person that you know. Um, and it also made me able to engage the world differently. I, I can walk without fear. I am never really concerned about, you know, my safety or having to defend myself and just having that, I don't know, freedom is kind of nice. Now that said, I'm, I'm strategic about that. Kind of like we talked about during, you know, your training earlier is I'm not going to go walk in the worst part of the neighborhoods at, you know, two o'clock in the morning wearing a bunch of jewelry or anything like that. I'm going to be intelligent about it. Right. But that said, there's never a place where I go that I'm just uncomfortable and, and feel any sense of fear or dread. I think differently than people do. I react differently than people do. Uh, same, I know is true of Aaron. It's like when we when we go and sit at a restaurant, for example, I don't let my back be you know toward the door. If there's multiple doors, I try to face as much toward both of them as I can. It's just a it's a shift in mindset that has translated well for me throughout my life. It's it's made me more confident and given me. I don't want to say an aggressive personality because I don't feel like I'm overly like aggressive in a bad way, but I, I am aggressive in pursuing, you know, the things that I want and need to do. Uh, and I think it's just a, it's a force of character that you build. Like the whole point is defense, right? We're learning to defend ourselves, to protect ourselves as well as the people that we care about, or even if it has to be strangers, I mean, hanging on my wall here that the people on the podcast can't see are the seven virtues of Bushido. And those are very important things to me that I try to live out in my everyday life. And a lot of that has come from my, my training. So I'm definitely pro martial arts and pro self-defense. I can see an aspect of it making you disconnect, like disconnected through humanity though. Because if you are on the defense or if you've had this neurologistic programming alteration, then do you feel more disconnected from other people? Like, do you feel like you can go in a public place and find trust and find peace? Or how does that function well, with either of you all? Let me, let me put that question back to you for a second. Why are you wanting to learn self-defense? I want to. Okay, Aaron is now the host of the show, guys. Okay. The reason I ask is if if you are in fear, mm -hmm. that's why you're wanting to learn self defense to protect yourself. We don't have that fear. I have that aspect. I agree with that. The reason I would want to learn martial arts versus self defense are slightly different. So I'll break them apart. The self defense aspect, you nailed. Like I want to be able as a young, you know, woman, dainty frame to be able to go and like go to Whole Foods and not have to worry about being kidnapped out of my car, right? If I want to go to Whole Foods at nine o'clock because it's the only time I could because I worked all day, I want to have that freedom. The martial arts for me is separate because for me, it's about understanding my body again, my functionality, like Prioception for me is super important and that's one reason why I love yoga and acrobatics so much is you get to learn how your body really works at a very small level. You learn that in martial arts too. Though. So yeah, to 
to your question there, then I think you, you nailed it. I mean, out there today on the mat, as you saw, like you were, you are far more flexible than I am and, and have far greater, like in general body control than I do, but you struggled with a lot of the things that I did and a lot of the movements that I made because they were foreign to you and not the way you were used to using your body. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a, a very strong part of it is you, you do develop the ability to move in a different way to, to physically function in a different way. Um, but even beyond the physical aspect of it, it's a, it's a structure, right? To some ways it's, it's like a organized chaos, if you will. You are, you are learning things that can cause great harm with the intent to never have to use them and to learn how to control yourself, your body, your mind, to keep yourself how you need to be. I mean, a, a, true, a true martial artist should be focused as much on their own development and on being peaceful as they are on the ability to, you know, completely incapacitate an opponent in a second, right? Those things aren't mutually exclusive in martial arts. They actually come together and are one thing at the same time. So the, the characteristics that go into traditional martial arts, uh, the, the character that you develop are, in my mind, the, I don't want to say the most important, but it, they're equally on par with the most important reasons to pick up a martial art. Um, and it really is, if you want to do it properly, it really is a lifestyle. It's a, it's a lifetime decision. It's not something that, you're like, okay, I'm going to go do a Taekwondo class twice a week, or I'm going to go to BJJ once every other week. It's a commitment. It's a lifestyle decision. It's a change. Um, cause you are, you know, uh, to be fair, like I'm, I'm a fourth degree, right? So people go off to college and they spend years in school getting their different degrees. They get their, you know, associates, their bachelors, their masters, they maybe go on to get their PhD, whatever it's the same thing in this regard. It's just a different field of study, mm. but I put the same amount of time in. So, you know, it's even more, actually it's, uh, it's important. A moment ago, you asked me if <clears throat> I feel like it makes me disconnected from the world. And that's why I asked you the question. Um, I think having a, a general awareness of, I, I know what's going on. Say we face the door. It's not because we're not constantly thinking about threats coming in the door. Right. But we're putting ourselves in a position to be okay if there is. Correct. Uh, so that now we don't have to think about that. Um, so I, I put myself in situations that I have to think about threat levels. Um, but I put myself in the right situation that I think that actually makes me more connected because now I don't have that underlying fear um, that kind of takes me away from the, the, the now. So if I'm understanding, you feel like you're almost able to be more present with whoever you're sharing time with because you don't have that fear mentality anymore. Right. And I, I may notice things like people move in a room, uh, people who bump into me. Uh, maybe I notice something a little bit different than, than most, but I think, like I said, again, I, I think it, I feel much more calm in situations where maybe others wouldn't. Maybe there's too many people in a room. You don't like that. And, I've already mapped out my head in the first 15 seconds that I walked in that room where everybody's at and where I need to be uh, to keep myself in a situation that, that keeps me you know, essentially worry-free. And now I'm good. So I can be completely present. Uh, I may notice things throughout, but at the end of the day, I, I feel calm, cool, relaxed. So 
Yeah, I think that's that's a good way. That's a good answer. I think that keeps me, in some ways, maybe more connected. All right. So switching gears a little bit, I want to get into the growth mindset and the physical body as well. And I have my lovely nutritional science master over here for that. So with that, how does the, let's do the body first, because I feel like that one's easier. How does the body start to chemically alter whenever you start doing martial arts? I don't know if there's too many chemical alterations. Uh, I think they're going to be, it's going to be a lot of mindset things. I mean, there's, there's chemical alterations that happen um, with training in general. Uh, I don't know if there's anything different about martial arts. Uh, it's, it's Maybe a little. You, Endorphins, you anything like that? Mostly in regards to kind of controlling how you how you react to those endorphins. Um, when you when you are having a fear response, how do you react? Um, so when you feel under threat, uh, that's the biggest one. We we one of the things we do is we are putting ourselves in the base of adversity and. People do that all the time. Maybe you do things that are hard in your job, um, but rarely are those things, the consequences of getting punched or kicked in the face. Um, so it's a different type of adversity where the consequences are very, very real. Uh, and you get very good at figuring out how to deal with those in, in a short time, or you get hit in the face a lot. Um, and that's that's less than ideal for most people. Yep. Um, so I think, I think you get much better at staying calm when your adrenaline spikes. Um, and I think that's that's probably the biggest change that starts happening. That Some people, that takes a little longer than others. Um, it really depends on how you're training as well. Uh, if there's no real threat of anything bad happening, then a lot of times you don't really train that aspect. Um, so when martial arts are being done, I think there, there's a you start off where there's a physical component where you're training a movement pattern. Um, but you need to advance that to eventually having consequences. Uh, if you are, if, again, if there's no consequence of anything ever bad happening to you, um, you don't get caught off guard, then you're not going to get the most out of that training because you, when that happens in real life, you are going to have that fear response. Mm -hmm. um, even, even if you're able to control, like you're not going to have that fear response or you're not going to know how to react during that fear response. Um, you have to get good at that. And you have to practice that. So you have to be surprised and you have to be caught off guard at some point, whether it's training with somebody you've never trained with before. You don't know how they act, how they react. Um, all those things matter. I think they're important, important to getting better. at. So <clears throat> one of the things that what Aaron just said, I, I'm going to add a quick little story onto that. My, I lived with my instructor for several years um, and he would attack me in the middle of the night Um he would, I would hear, he would scream the word attack and then attack me in the middle of the night, uh, or, or randomly, you know, so it, it worked really well in, in getting me used to being uncomfortable suddenly and, and training my, my response, my fight or flight, if you will, to go into fight. Um, but we had a lot of, we had a lot of fun and, you know, those, as for as serious as it is and everything else, we had a lot of fun, and those those times were very very special to me. But I do think they definitely made a difference. <laughs> Either of you all decided to attack me in the middle of the night, and you screamed "attack." <laughs> it is not ending well for either of you all. <laughs> <laughs> so as I'm training today with you guys, 
I felt like there was a little bit of resistance. Aaron kept saying to me, like, you're holding back, you're holding back. When it comes to that mindset mentality, I feel like that wasn't so much a fear response or adrenaline. Is it like, why would you explain that? Me doing that reaction, Aaron. I think a lot of people have never intentionally hurt somebody or never intentionally tried to hit somebody. If you've been in a fight, maybe you feel that, but you don't have any animosity towards me. Are you sure? I don't know. <laughs> maybe I do. Maybe there is some. Um, but not enough to make you want to hurt me. Okay. Um, and we're used to getting hit a lot. Yeah. Um, so you're not going to hurt us unless we let you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that, like today, that was that was holding you back. Either you were afraid to hit us, um, even well, though we, we told or you, you might have been afraid to, you know, hurt yourself too. And that's I do hurt myself quite often as I'm looking at my bloody feet. And, and that's part of it too. And you know, we, we probably weren't as prepared as we should have been today. Um, probably should have had some bigger paths for you to hit so that you can feel more comfortable as well uh, as you're learning. Um, but that that's a big part of it is is what's it feel like to hit and be hit. Um, a lot of people have never experienced either one of those. Mike Tyson has a great quote. He does. You want to quote it? Or you want me to quote it? But you have it. Everybody has a plan to get punched in the mouth. And that's that's one of the that's probably the biggest aspects that we train um, is is how you react when that happens. But but today, you know, holding yourself back again, you're, you're trying to learn technique which I think is very important. That's one of the things you absolutely have to do if you have to learn technique. But if you don't make it close enough to the real scenario, um, then it doesn't have a good transfer effect. Um, so if you want, you're going to have to hit somebody hard. When, it's, when the time comes and you're in a self-defense situation where you need to get away, you need to protect yourself, you have to be able to hit hard. And if all you've ever done is play love tap with somebody, mm-hmm. then you have no idea how to hit hard. It feels different. Uh, it treats your body different. Mm-hmm. So if I go to punch somebody hard and I have no experience punching somebody hard, even if I can throw a really hard punch and I connect, it's going to throw off my balance. I'm going to be all out of whack. I don't know where my body's going to move after that. There's, there's a lot of different things that are just different. Risk of hurting your hand, risk of hyperextending your elbow, things that you don't. How count for how other people move when you hit them right matters too right so if, if I can kick you hard enough to move you then your body that person is now in a different place and I need to be able to move or react to where they're going to be once I hit them um, if I've never seen or experienced that I have no idea that that is different right so being able to put yourself in a in a safe situation where you can practice those things at higher intensity, so kicking harder, getting hit a little bit harder, so using the right padding um, is very helpful. I think that's that's really what allows you to get a better training effect. Um, so if, if all you ever do is play patty cake to learn, then you're not going to get everything out of it. Um, so you have to really find a way to do those things safely um, to where you can protect your partner that you're training with and protect yourself. But... If you, once you have all that established, then you need to amplify the intensity to make it as close to a real situation as you can, again, while protecting your, your partner and the people you're training with. And always try to train with people who are better than you, because that's really going to help you grow the most. I know, you know, some people, uh, early on in my, my martial arts career, I wanted to train with people who were around my skill level, right, so that I 
had a chance and could could hang with them and feel like I wasn't just failing. Um, but the the most growth I ever had was when I started training with people who were significantly better than me and who could wipe the floor with me. It forced me to adapt quicker and to learn more. Um, and I think it's important to seek that out, find quality instructors, quality training partners who are there because they love what they're doing and they love sharing that knowledge and they want to help you grow. We talked about like being in the phase of adversity earlier. And again, if you're only going against people who are uh, less skilled than you, um, you're not getting that same, um, same training experience. If you're not getting that level of adversity that you need to really be able to grow, uh, cause you kind of lose touch of that for after a while. So I know, uh, going from, training with other black belts who are highly skilled to training with white belts. I no longer have any kind of fear or worry uh, that anything wrong is going to happen to me. Maybe, maybe that's misplaced. Maybe I should be a little bit worried sometimes, but I'm not. Um, so I'm not going to get that level of anxiety from training with them that I would normally with training other people who are as skilled as me. So to, to continue to improve and continue to get better, um, not just because their skill level is higher, but because of your response to their skill level. Mm-hmm. I think that matters. That's, that's a big mental component to that. So I kind of want to switch over. And you said something that really resonated with me. The aspect that most people do not know how to give a hit, but also do not know how to take a hit. Yeah. So switching into more of the self-defense as we build up the intro to like women's self-defense classes and me teaching those, learning from you guys, growing in my own practice and sharing this, most women that go to a self-defense class have taken a hit. I'm speaking on behalf of women. I don't know if that's been your experience. Have either of you all taught self-defense women's yeah, classes? I've, I've actually I've taught several women's self-defense classes over the years um, for different organizations, the Y, uh, even at the studio that Aaron and I both used to teach at together. Um, I, I don't, you know, that's not a question that I actually ever asked. And now I'm thinking back, I'm like, I, I should have probably asked the room, hey, how many of you have actually been hit? Um, do you uh, feel like that's too intimate or do you think there's a way you could present that? Well, kind of no, get a read of the room. I mean, I, I think you, you have to be respectful and ask it and, you know, a respectful way, but when it comes down to it, the question is pretty straightforward. Hey, have any of you ever actually been struck physically, you know, abused? There's yeah, sports, even sports. It's a little, it's a little bit different. Impact is a little bit different that the impact of like, even, you know, soccer or football or rugby versus someone intentionally trying to do you harm is different. Your, your body, their body, reacts differently for example like earlier you know we were we were talking about if you strike someone in the face what happens well the head moves back right so they're not taking the full impact of that hit because their body's naturally recoiling whereas if they're up against the wall or you're bracing the back of the head and you're holding their head when you do that strike they're taking more of the impact because their head has nowhere to recoil uh an intentional strike is going to be very different than taking an impact of some other kind um, but I, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know the answer. If you're telling me that that is the case, then I'm going to take your word for it. I would say most, as far as 
me. And like, I'll let Aaron chime in here too, because I know he's going to have an opinion. Whenever I'm thinking of, how do I say this? I never thought it could happen to me until it happened to me. Yeah. yeah. Circumstance. And most women, if they were raised in a loving household, they didn't have that experience. Or if they were, you know, in loving relationships, or maybe, you know, they never thought it could happen in their small town because the town only had 500 people. How could they get kidnapped or how could they get assaulted? So I never thought about needing to really defend myself because... It just never registered. I walked into a room not needing to scan the room because I didn't know that there was something to be afraid of. So I feel like most women would kind of go in that category once they're actively like, hey, that's a self-defense class. I can use that. I read the news. I, you know, what, know what happens. This has happened to me before. I was on a work trip two weeks ago and a woman got kidnapped while she was out front uh, running. It's early in the morning. Um, but got kidnapped out front of my hotel. Now she got away. She fought back and apparently they were taking her up onto the interstate ramp. So she fought back and got free enough to roll out of the car. But things, bad things happen all the time. I think now we're probably more aware due to different media being, yeah, it's top of mind a lot more often. Um, so we see all the bad things that happen on, you know, it's much more common, um, when, when I was growing up, and not to show my age here too much, but... Uh, just have to wait for the news. Yeah, I have to, have to wait for the news. And, and I wasn't home for the news. I did too many sports. I didn't see it until 10 o'clock news, and it was time to do homework and go to bed. Um, so I wasn't exposed to it as much. I think I was probably more aware because of my training. But I think now most people are at least um, at least somewhat aware that those are, those are real. Now, they may choose to ignore those things, and... Fortunately, that's, that's sometimes the case. They do find out the hard way. Um, but I, I don't think it's going to be a complete shock and surprise that most people feel like they, they probably should learn something. Um, again, there's still people who think that's not going to happen to me. Um, and chances are probably won't. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's yeah. a good thing. Um, but I, I do think that most people are kind of coming in terms of they probably should do something to to at least have some kind of idea. Yeah. Um, you were asking earlier whether whether or not it makes sense to to ask whether somebody's been hit in class or not. And I think uh, I think it's okay to ask that question um, without um, you know having messing anybody's with messing with anybody's mentality um, or you know bringing up too many. Um, Dramatic experiences. Different dramatic experiences in like the dark oh, past, maybe. Because, um, like I said, a lot of people, a lot of people have been hit. Maybe it was when you were in third grade, you got in a fight on the, the playground or something. But even if you've been hit, at least you have some kind of experience with that. Um, so I think you can ask that question. You may have to find a, a softer way to ask. But I think I think that is a question you can ask, and, and don't frame it like it's an abuse situation because a lot of people will curl up and, and shy away from that. Which goes into the mentality aspect of martial arts and growth. How do you, as instructors or guides or senseis, I feel like that's the correct word, senseis. <laughs> How do you, they both nodded at me now. <laughs> What's the correct word? Yeah, no, that's right. That's right? Yeah. Okay, Aaron, come on, be nice to me. So he's like, no. That was an agreeing nod. It was, was, sort of was, like, was like, okay. So nonetheless, you are the one guiding 
this workshop or this class. Yep. You walk in, how do you transfer quickly? Because these classes might be 45 minutes. Maybe you're not getting the whole day with them. That victim mentality to, we're not going to just like survive. We're going to thrive. We're going to actually get out and live to tell the tell. That is probably the hardest thing to do. Um, people by nature are one way or another. And you're, you oftentimes are asking them to fight something that has been instilled into them their whole life of, hey, we don't hit, we don't be mean, we, you know, we don't do this, we don't do that. So you're asking them to fight what they've, in essence, been programmed for their entire life. And, and it's really difficult to do. And it's usually not a quick thing. So all that we can really hope to accomplish in like an intro class is to, to teach some basic concepts and, and hope that enough of those concepts stick with the individuals that they then think after the fact about their own experience and reflect on what they've learned to go, okay, I have to get a little beyond my normal thinking because in that moment, you know, where you, when you become the victim, you don't stay the victim. You must immediately become the predator, right? Your mindset has to shift completely to, okay, this has now happened. Now this is my world and I'm going to make them suffer. And I hate to say it that way, but you, you have to, you have to change your mindset so aggressively and so quickly that it's, <laughs> it's, it's difficult. Um, because it's now you or them, right? It's, mm -hmm. do I want to keep on enjoying life or at least in the capacity I have it? I don't know what the, the individual attacker's intent is. Um, or am I more concerned with maintaining what I think I should be, which is peaceful, which is this, which is that. Okay. And, you know, I, my, my goal is always peace. Uh, it's like the, I don't remember who, who the quote came from, but it's walk softly and carry a big stick, right? That's the, it's, it's the same thing with your mindset and you have to struggle. It's a, it's a struggle for people who don't think that way. Like my wife, for example, uh, we just recently had a conversation where we were talking about, should someone break in the house? What would she do? And you know, her, her mindset isn't where it needs to be to, to properly defend the family if I'm not there. So it is, it's a process. There's no quick answer to that, but it's understanding that, Hey, this bad thing has happened. It's go time. And just maybe, maybe it's unleashing all the things that you have pent up and held back and tried to be a, a good and proper person. Maybe it is just the complete let go of all of that in that moment that, that helps you get to that place. But you've got to get there quick and then move on with your life. You know, because in theory, at least in a defense situation, you're wanting to get away from the threat as fast as possible. Maybe not even necessarily end the threat, but just get away from the threat as quick as possible. Temporarily disable someone, move on, get away from that situation. Um, I kind of want to take that. Alter the question a little bit and throw it at Aaron here. <clears throat> so, Bo, you mentioned it's a 
me versus them. You become the predator. Yeah. And in my personal experience, you know all of my personal experiences. I've been friends with Bo for most of my adulthood. Aaron, not so much, which is why I want to twist it a little bit to ask him for a different point of view. For me, when I was in that circumstance of life or death or slavery or freedom, depending on how you want to label it, my switch of my mind wasn't to become the predator. My switch of the mind was, I'd rather be dead than live this way. So with that mentality, would you agree with like Bo's like mindset of like, it's me versus them, Aaron, or do you think you can switch a different type of way just to get the job done? Earlier, Bo mentioned that he does have a little bit more of aggressive personality. So becoming the predator may be part of that. Uh, I don't necessarily think you have to become the predator since it's about getting away. Um, However, I do think there's an absolutely a mind shift that needs to happen. And if it doesn't happen, it's really easy to fall into there's nothing I can do mm. and you shut down and then you mentally shut down, you physically shut down and then there really is nothing you can do. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So you have to realize, again, we talked about hope earlier as well. Um, there's always hope. There's a way out. You just have to be willing to find it and push yourself to find it. Mm-hmm. Um, the previous question was also about training. So how do you do that in a, in a training setting? And it's going to be really difficult to do um, depending on past traumas from the people you're working with. Um, If they have a lot of past trauma, you have to be really careful. If you know that anybody has past traumas in that group, you may have to be careful with what the situation is that you put forward. So whenever we're we're training, we want to put a a scenario forward. Like you are being attacked by your boyfriend or your husband or your, your spouse and they are choking you. Okay. Well, maybe they've been choked by their spouse before. And this is all of a sudden, this is really true. Very real. You got very, very real. And they may not be ready for that. Um, so maybe we ease into that part, into the live training, as far as putting situations together, but you do want to add some kind of real, um, real anxiety. And, and you can do that by gamifying things. Um, like, you know, winner gets something, right? So pair everybody up. Uh, we in wrestling, it's like king of the mat. Everybody gets in their own circles. They wrestle until the last person's left. And you can put people in a situation where somebody is from behind and the other person has to get away. They have 15 seconds to get away. And if they don't get away, then they lose or they're kidnapped or, you know, you, you can start putting situations in there, but letting them go and, and say like, Hey, this 15 seconds is all you get, period. Mm-hmm. If you don't get away in 15 seconds, it's over. And, and you, you can put that in a serious way where it conveys like, okay, this is this is a big deal. This is very serious. This could be life or death. But you, you kind of have to let them come to that on themselves. Um, unless nobody's ever been traumatized in that group or everybody's come to terms with their trauma. Um, but you probably don't know that getting into it. Mm-hmm. So you may ease them into it a, a little bit, but you do have to, you do have to, put that anxiety level there and and put some real situations to it um, to kind of elevate everybody else. And you'll, you'll see how people react. Uh, And some people will realize that 10 seconds in, there's no hope for them. They're not getting away. And you have to, at that point, figure out, okay, well, we've got to teach them something. 
because maybe they're clueless. Some people, like I said, when they come here, they've never done any kind of training before. They don't know what they don't know. You can do this from you can do this very early on, uh, especially if you have somebody there who is stronger, who's a little more dominating than everybody else, and you can put somebody with them, and you know they're not going to get away, and you put that situation, then they realize, oh wait, this is this is serious now. I I would be screwed in this situation, um, and you can train them that way. And then now you teach them one or two things. Okay, now I know something. I have there's hope again. Um, but you can you can watch it happen in real time as a as a coach um, when that person realizes that their hope is gone. It's over. So their, their will to fight dies at that moment. And you have to figure out a way to, to give them hope again that, and to help them realize there's always hope as long as they're alive. That's that's like earlier when I told you that combat is 90% mental and 10% physical. Now that physical is very important, but your mindset is so crucial to your success, right? Or your failure in a self-defense situation. When you give up, it's over. That's like when I have, when I have, you know, fought in the past and and competitively um, fought, one of the things that I, I have trained specifically to do, I can take a hit really well, right? Mm-hmm. So I let people hit me. I let people hit me. I let them hit me really hard. And then I mock them, right? Mm-hmm. I break their spirit. I break their mind because in their mind, they're, they're doing everything that they know to do to stop me and it's not working. So now they start scrambling. They start panicking. Their mind is broken. And then I just pick them apart. The mind is so strong and so critical. Uh, going back to the training aspect that Aaron Aaron was talking about a minute ago, it made me think about something that our instructor used to say, which I'm sure he didn't come up with it because it's been said for years, but practice doesn't make perfect, right? Perfect practice makes perfect, which is to say that you need to practice in the most realistic situation that you can, like Aaron was talking about earlier. You've got to simulate some of that struggle. You've got to get some of that real danger into your training program with people so that they learn how to react. This is about becoming comfortable in uncomfortable situations. That's like earlier when we were doing some of the choke stuff, right? I was telling you, look, like you have so long before you go unconscious. Mm-hmm. Most people spend a good portion of that time panicking and freaking out because they're being choked. No, don't do that. You have to get to where you can be calm from the moment that starts happening and use all of that time that you have to get out of that. When you can do that, everything about that engagement will change for you because your mind will be where it needs to be. I really like the balance between you two because I'm, you guys do well together. (laughs) Believe it or not, they're best friends, so it makes sense. So training, starting, um, going back a few questions with Aaron, you were talking about the uncomfortable situations, but giving them hope still, right? In my experiences and then also one of the other very vulnerable positions or whatnot was that top mount with the hands like literally against the frame like above your head as a woman and then having this bigger person on top of you I personally that one was probably the most not triggering for me but the one that puts me in the most reality of like Mm -hmm. this has happened I know this move and I felt like particularly you 
tall, and Bo is a little bit bigger than Aaron and me. Um, Aaron and me are the same height, but Aaron can take me down in one blow. I know for a fact. So, <laughs> but Bo is like this big grizzly bear. So to give reference for people sure. on the show, you know, you're big grizzly bear. So hair and all. So putting Aaron with me, even though I know Aaron can take me out, gives me a little bit more hope. But you have this reality factor of like, you should pay attention. Like you should have some fear in you and anxiety in you. So how do you truly get to that? And this might be my last question for you guys. That sweet spot that quickly from them, like the person coming to the show or the training here and being like, Hey, I'm going to work with you, Aaron. I'm going to work with you, Bo. I have this from my past or I've not had the experiences, but you freak me out type of mentality. How do I show up with the right mentality? I think honestly, if it's, it's a little bit tricky, but if you open up with that situation, like I said, when your hands are pinned above your head against the floor and somebody's on top of you, it feels like there's no options. Uh, I couldn't move anything. Yeah, you couldn't move anything. Yeah. But you did. Uh, well, once you get properly trained, yes, but that whole <laughs> seven seconds of freaking out type of thing, a lot can happen in seven seconds. It's true. Exactly. So, no, like 100%. I, I think if, if you want to make it very serious very quickly, I think that's that's probably the best position to get them in. Um, because if you've never been in that situation before, you don't know. It's, it's really simple. It's not, it's not complicated. It was, it was a hip thrust. It was, mm-hmm. took you five seconds to learn. We didn't even yeah. teach that. Once you learned. I literally yeah. told you what, it, what to do, and then immediately you, it made sense. Um, so it's not difficult, but it, if they don't know what to do, they panic sense it immediately, especially if you put a time limit on it, and it takes a few seconds, and they're not getting it, they, they start to panic. Um, and like I said, that's... That's a situation where the threat feels real, even in a, even in a situation like this one. I don't know what to do because people are used to being able to move their hands in some some capacity. Even when you're somebody's grabbing you from behind, they're usually not grabbing your hands; they're grabbing it like around your waist and elbows. And you can still move your hands a little bit. You feel you feel like you have some hope, but when they're pinned behind you or, or over your head, you feel like you, you feel hopeless and. That's a good way to... Hopeless, but mad. I, I rotated yeah. between the two. I was like livid at Bo for doing this and then feeling hopeless because I can't get out of it. At the same time, I'm like, I'm going to get out. It was a battle within my own mind. And that's why I'm like... Yeah, and it, well, it probably yeah. felt angry because it felt like a situation that could really happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's how most people would feel in that situation, uh, especially women. Um, it doesn't... It's not too different than, than some things they may have experienced before. Um, so I think that's that's a good way to induce that anxiety right out the gate, make them realize that this is this is very real. Um, there is almost no d- physical danger uh, in, in that position, especially in training. There's no falling. Mm-hmm. Um, they they can't get hurt, but I, mean, I guess they can't. Everybody can get hurt anytime, but it raises the level of anxiety with the risk being extremely low physically. Um, there may be some emotional emotional risk there. Um, so you kind of have to take what you get. Um, may have to back off of that one pretty quick, depending on, on how to do, but switch partners, switch partners. Cause I felt better with you. Right. Like mostly and it just mentally, you know, just like this guy's closer to my height. So I don't know. So it's, it's less intimidating because anything? he's, you know, closer to your size and I'm not right. It's, 
like being attacked by me might be being attacked like a by a bear. Yeah, like a grizzly bear. <laughs> but again, like I know Aaron can take me out. That's the funny yeah. part is the reflection of it. I'm like, Aaron's a beast as well. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's not let's not underestimate Aaron at all. Not to mention he's stupidly strong. So, um, so you know the kind of what you were talking about there with with fighting yourself in your own mind. It's it's a Sun Tzu quote, right, from the Art of War. If you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you'll also suffer a defeat. And if you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. And I kind of like, I love that because it's true. You you must know yourself. And when, when Aaron and I actually teach people to fight, not just like a quick self-defense course, but teach people to fight, we train them to fight to their strengths, the way that their body would let them, you know, succeed and be better than fighting in a particularly different way. Because there are every body type, every mindset, you can you can change up the way you engage in combat to to maximize that individual. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is it is defeating yourself. It is it is learning to, you know, combat your own mind, your own fear, your own panic, your own anger even. Because anger can blind you, even even as much as it can be fuel in moments like that, it can also be blinding, right? It's about centering yourself and being okay, being uncomfortable. And then using that, that clarity, that, you know, calmness in the middle of the storm, if you will, to then get out of the situation you're in. But you are your own greatest enemy. I feel like that relates back to the breath again. Finding peace in the breath. Okay, guys. So this really is going to be my last question. And we'll make it quick on both of you all, the lightning round here. Number one thing you're going to say to a woman or a man that has never done a self-defense class, why should they do it? Aaron first. Why should you do a (laughs) self-defense? Like, number one reason. One more reason? So you don't I mean, so you don't become a victim. Right, that's don't it's, it's a that victim. simple. Um, to, to, and if there is you become a victim to know that you know there's hope. Um, and that's that's really two biggest things. Uh, I've actually almost been a, a victim um, before. Had a, had a guy pull a knife on me um, in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and training kicked in, nothing happened. I laughed at the guy actually. Um, and then I had some buddies walking behind me who were much, much larger than me at the time. Um, and everything worked out okay, but you know, I felt supremely confident. I felt okay in that situation. And if I hadn't trained and I don't, I doubt the same outcome would have happened. So he brought up weapons. We didn't even get to talk about that. It's a whole different episode. It's a whole different episode. Hey, we'll do more. It's fine. (laughs) All right. But can't copy. Uh, well, I mean, there's there's really not a whole lot of other answers. <laughs> Can't copy. I mean, I'll give you an extra second. The so. thing is, you you would want to take a class so that you know you build some confidence in yourself, and that you you know if you look around, you understand we're not we're in a great place, especially in this country. Wonderful country. You know, we don't have a lot of the risks and dangers that other places do, even, but. We see things go bad all the time still. Mm-hmm. It's being prepared for the worst, but always hoping for the best. 
pennies. And then I'll throw in my two pennies here. For me, anyone that is going to embark on some type of traveling, Mm -hmm. it would be a really good idea to take a few of those classes. And that's why I decided to work with you guys today. Traveling alone is just way more dangerous. Living in good old Tennessee or even in Miami just sounds a lot safer than being on the road. So with that, Aaron, how do we find you and what are you up to lately? Well, currently I'm doing... Mostly only uh, online coaching for strength and nutrition. Um, you can find me at Aaron Thomas underscore APS on Instagram. That's probably the easiest way to find me. Okay, nice. Bo, any projects coming up? So I'm, I'm doing a lot of things not in this space right now. Uh, I take a few private students uh, like you. Nice, <laughs> <laughs> you can go work with us. <laughs> you know, uh, but other than that, I'm not. Okay, well. Thank you guys both for having this discussion with me. It's very different than some of the other yogi conversations we get to have on the podcast, but just so critical. So with that, thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. And to everyone that tuned in today, as always, thank you for healing and growing with me today.